Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful. I'm David Stevens of the Edmonton Journal. And I am here tonight with Bruce. Hey, David, how are you doing tonight? Well, that was a good night. That was a good night. I was out at the, uh, I work at a farm as a volunteer and I was out uh, shoveling and and uh, out in out in the wilderness and which is always really pleasant. It's in the at, you know, U of A farm, experimental farm. So I, I went from that to watching one of the order's best games of the year. So it was kind of a perfect evening in a lot of ways. Um, Bruce, that was, uh, the Oilers snapped seven game playoff losing streak. They finally won a game. They played their game. Mike Smith got the monkey off his back with a shutout. It really turned out well. Um, so tonight we're <coughs> not going to just do our two good things, two bad things and two numbers. We're going to do two good things each. So why don't you get the ball rolling, Bruce, uh, with your first like plan? Sure. Uh, I will go uh, as uh, one of my good things, uh, the play of Darnell Nurse, who I thought had a super uh, second game after a difficult first one where he was fighting through stuff. I still don't think he's right up to full speed. There was a couple of races that I thought he would win easily. And uh, there's some one of the pivots maybe, or there's, there's something that's a little bit of a hitch in his get-along. But I thought he controlled and, and uh, in fact, dominated this game at times. Uh, scored a hugely important goal for the Oilers on the penalty kill in, in the uh, second period. Made it 2-0 uh, when L.A. had a power play and chance to tie it. And that was really the dagger uh, where he jumped up into the rush and uh, uh, gave McDavid a second off option as uh, Vander Kane was going to the net. This was right at the end of the power play, and uh, uh, Drysettle had a chance just before that, and then the, they rolled uh, McDavid and Kane over the boards, and uh, uh, they, uh, well, McDavid stole the puck off of uh, Quinton Byfield again, second game in a row that he did that, and converted it into a great chance, and this one wound up in the net with uh, Nurse's shot tipping off the defenseman and going catching just inside the post, but a good Good hard shot. That was Darnell's only shot on goal of the game, although he had six shot attempts. But he had three hits, a couple of block shots, uh, three, I thought, major defensive clearances from basically inside the blue paint. One puck that got behind Mike Smith and dribbled dangerously near the near the goal line that he cleared out of harm's way. Uh, there was a second... Uh, Similar clearance like that from uh, from inside the crease, and then a third one uh, from outside where he was maybe burned on the on the first shot, but the dangerous rebound he took care of and with his long reach and and uh, quick reflexes just chipped it out of danger and ultimately out of the zone, out of trouble. He also made a sweet lead pass, uh, stretch pass on what became the five nothing goal where all three of Kane to McDavid to Pugliarvi to back of net uh, touched the puck. So no official assist for that, but a well-deserved plus. And he, in fact, wound up this game with a plus three. Uh, he and Cody Cece. And uh, on a shot share of 25 to 11. Uh, shot on goal, or sorry, shot attempt share, Corsi. Uh, with Nurse on the ice, the ice was tilted 
pretty strongly in Oilers' favor. And I just thought, just thought he looked way more on the ball and, you know, quick on pucks and just making good, quick decisions to move the puck. And all the Oilers' defensemen, really, I thought, did, did that. So There was only one moment where I was worried that uh, we were going to see more of that first game-itis back from Nurse where he was really ineffective that first game. And there was a play... Uh, um, 7:50 left in the first period, where he just the, it was a, he was killing a penalty and he bit way too hard on the guy coming in. Right. And left he left his side wide open then for a really dangerous chance, one of the Kings' uh, best chances. Uh, let me just and the and the numbers on the chances are preliminary numbers are 12 to five grade A shots for the Oilers, 12 to five, and on the five alarm shots it was five to four. So grade A shots have a 20% plus chance of going in and the five alarms have a 33% plus chance of going in. So the five alarms are pretty close, five to four, but the Oilers were pretty dominant in the grade A's, 12 to five. Bruce, it was nice to see on that goal, Nurse's goal, finally him on the right side of a deflection play because all year, and we've talked about this in the past, he pucks have gone off Darnell Nurse and often into the Oilers net. So um, this time, it finally, he shot one in off the stick of an L.A. Kings, def- uh, off the L.A. Kings mm-hmm. defender. So that was very, that was sweet because deflection plays are puck luck. Yeah. And they're just bad luck, I think. You know, it's usually not the defenseman's fault if the puck deflects in off him. And I say this as a beer league defenseman. So I'm uh, defending all defensemen. Goalies probably would have a different view of it. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, Nurse was Don finally right, was. the right side of it. Yeah, Don was just dead wrong. He was wrong, wrong, wrong about the whole stick on puck thing. He was talking about hockey from a different era. You've got to block shots. You've got to try to get stick on puck. You've got to do it all game long, and you've got to be effective at it. That's the modern NHL, and it was that way for since the, the for 25 years, and Don got it wrong almost the entire time. Anyway, um, Nurse, I think, is still, he's not 100%, because if Darnell Nurse was 100%, he would be playing a far more physical game, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, we're still not seeing that from him. And in fact, if, if I were the LA Kings coach, I would my, one of my things on the bulletin board would be hit Darnell Nurse, hit engage him physically all game long. And uh, that should be the Kings strategy, I would say. I'm going to give another tip to the Kings here that's probably, Probably people won't want to hear, but I'm sure they're not listening. On my good thing, Bruce. Um, (laughs) And I've noticed this, and I mentioned this earlier today on Oilers Now, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Right from the start of the series on the power play, I I didn't know how the Kings were going to kill the penalties. And fortunately, the Kings are one of these passive teams that back off into their their little box and let the orders move the puck from the outside, which is exactly the worst strategy you can have against the orders. Teams that are aggressive against the orders have much greater success killing off penalties. We've seen this all year. And teams that back off and let the orders pass it around, they get beat by the orders' tremendous skill. So the first period, not much happened. Um, there was only two chances, one for the Oilers at even strength. Uh, Pugliarvi got a shot on net. Not a particular, you know, a, a lower end of the grade A scale, as I recall. And the Kings had two pretty good chances on the power play. So just a really low event first period. And then they came out in the third period, they, the Kings took a penalty. And, um, you know, backed up into their little box and the Oilers passed it around the outside. You cannot, you just do not let Leon Dreisaitl shoot. His amazing skill, you know, the executioner shot, we saw it again tonight. And he just, it was brilliant how he so quickly launched 
Um, just a fairly basic pass from Tyson Berry right up into the top of the net um, over Jonathan Quick's shoulder. Total, he totally harpooned that puck there, Bruce. It was a fantastic shot, fantastic example of the Andreisaitl skill. And um, it has to be deflating for the other team to see a shooter like that just blow everything out. Like just, you, you know, you're done. You can't stop this shot. Uh, mm-hmm. Unless you can, unless you stop it before it happens, but once it's happening, you're in a you're in a world of hurt. So um, good for Leon. That was that was just what a skilled hockey player. That shot would have beat a lot of goalies, but uh, uh, Jonathan Quick with his he he does play very low and he's very good at taking away the bottom of the net. So yes. the Oilers were targeting him high tonight, but that you know that one timer by Leon uh, was. Uh, uh, the best example of that, where he put it right in under the crossbar on the booming one-timer. Oh. I'm glad he's Jonathan Quick and not Jonathan Tall, because <laughs> <laughs> they did beat him all night long up high. Like, clearly, that was the goal. We're going to mm-hmm. punish you. Now, I don't know in the past if, if Quick um, was able to stop that kind of shot that went up high, or if NHL, NHL shooters are just that much better. I mean, Leon Dreisaitl is. But Nurse's shot, of course, deflected high. And um, so um, some of the other ones were pretty nice shots. Bruce, uh, what's your second good thing of Mundo? <sighs> yeah, so many good things to choose from tonight, eh? Yeah. And it was... Uh, uh, I, I think I, I like the Oilers' physicality. This game, this could almost be my number as well, but I'll call it my second good thing. Uh, oh, they outhit the Kings officially in this game, 48 to 46. Now, those are high numbers, but I, I saw a very hard-hitting, uh, a physical game, and some of those hits were absolute doozies. Uh, the orders, I mean, just just from their forwards, Cassian six hits, Archibald five, Yamamoto four more hits. And all over the puck. Kane for Nugent Hopkins, four hits. And my favorite, Connor McDavid, four hits. And he was just bringing it, bringing it hard. He got penalized for one uh, heavy hit from uh, behind, which was a penalty. The guy getting up and giving him a high cross check also was a penalty, I thought. But uh, yeah. when they gave him a free shot, I guess they thought Connor deserved it or something. That was BS. Uh, anyway, but he kept it coming. And who was the guy that he just buried a guy over in the far board? Nineteen Iafolo. Uh, oh, it was Iafolo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. And he that was Slash like McDavid. in real speed. Yeah, he wasn't happy in real speed. I mean, McDavid was going so fast there, and he just <laughs> saw the opportunity. And he cut fast to his left, and he just buried him. And I thought the captain was leading the way tonight with his. Uh, not just with his usual dazzling speed and puck control, but also uh, he was laying it out there and and uh, uh, bringing the the uh, physical game as well. To me, he was a standout in that aspect. But the whole team really brought that, and mostly it was the forwards. You know, the defensemen. Uh, uh, the only guy in the team with no hits was uh, Brett Kulak, and. Uh, a couple of the guys with one were Keith and Cece, and whereas the forwards were all crooked numbers all over the map. So they uh, 
they were doing a lot of that punishment in the LA zone as well, getting puck in behind him and then just laying it on him. And Cassian's hit. He went like oh. I mean, we haven't seen Zach Cassian go full Baba Yaga since the Anaheim series, right? But that was it. That's what fans have been waiting all these years to see is Zach Cassian blast. And I don't know who he hit there, but he ever hit that. I think it was, oh, it was a Grunstrom. Yes. And credit to him, he got up and kept going. Like, it's look, mm-hmm. lucky they're all young guys because the Kings can maybe <laughs> bounce back. It's got to be wearing, though, to get hit like that. Like, the Oilers are punishing the other team now hitting. They're, they are the physically dominant team in this series right now. And they're punishing the opposition. And it could start to tell on the Kings. Well, I'm, I'm hoping, Bruce, that's my motivated thinking on this. on this. But that was, uh, and McDavid, I mean, he's channeling, you know, I don't know, it seemed like Bobby Clark was his spirit animal tonight because he was, he was playing a nasty game. And I really liked it. I really liked it. I'd say more Brian Troche than, yeah, uh, than Bobby Clark. Clark could lead with his stick. He was, he was a stick man all the way. I'll have to lay the hatchet on. Yeah, that's hit, hit once in a while, but uh, Trache hit like a ton of bricks. Very underrated skill of his that I, when I saw him in person, I was going, holy crap. Did he, he ever hit? Be, yeah. Yeah. He was anyway, a wrecking ball. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, uh, McDavid uh, stood out for that. Uh, not to mention his two assists plus three and general across the board, uh, three takeaways. 61% on the dot, you know, he kind of was uh, excellent in all areas tonight. And, of course, he had a, uh, uh, that assist came on the, a shorthanded goal where he filled in and, on the penalty kill and turned it into an attack. And I think, Bruce, if we're completely honest about Connor McDavid in the playoffs, we've never seen him consistently bring his A game. Like, he's never really done it in three the three years he's been in the playoffs. He's never really got it done. He's never come close to realizing his potential as a hockey player in the playoffs. These first two games, he's done it. He's playing a complete game, 200-foot game. Come on, he's the MVP of the NHL. This is the game he's bringing. It's the game he brought since Woodcroft came to town. And uh, we're seeing it in the playoffs, which is extremely heartening. They weren't going to win in the playoffs, Bruce. Well, they they need him at his best. They need him at. They need to, him to play his A or A plus game, and we're seeing it, and it's fantastic. So, con- congratulations to Connor McDavid. I mean, this is he's making a real statement here, and uh, I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So, is it my second good thing now? Yes. I guess it is. Yeah. Eh? Uh, I'm going to go with the the virtuous cycle. That led to the Californian. So these are two of my f- favorite phrases. The virtuous cycle mm-hmm. is when the when you're controlling the puck uh, on, on the forecheck in the offensive zone, and the owners did a really good job of this on their third goal. And um, it was McLeod, Fogel, and Cassian who were moving mm-hmm. the puck around, controlling the puck, controlling that puck, and it, Cassian um, finally put it back to to Evan Bouchard, who who fired it on net, and um, Ryan McLeod tipped in the shot. It was a lovely tip and uh, Quick had no, no chance on it. So the great play all around. And you could see Bouchard and McLeod who know each other from Bakersfield. Um, they were they, they were two happy, you know, players who have known each other for a while, competitors in the OHL. Mm-hmm. 
and they celebrated that goal. Right. So the California, again, for people who aren't familiar with our phrase, my phraseology, our phraseology, for years, the Oilers in the decade of darkness had this kind of goal scored against them. Usually Brent Burns shooting the puck or Drew Doughty shooting the puck or who for Anaheim, like almost anyone for Anaheim would have a slim home shooting the puck. And it would be then, Shane it would end Shane up Mark. in the net. Yeah, from the point, point shot ends up in the net because someone tips it or it's screened or something like that. Some skullduldry in front of the net. And this, now it's the Oilers doing it on a consistent Or Kessler grabs his pad. Yes. Or Corey Perry does whatever he does. So it was, it was, it's great to see the Oilers score the Californian. It's a great way to mm-hmm. manufacture goals. And it was a, it was a key goal in the game. Like the, these first three goals, all of them obviously are just mm-hmm. absolutely critical goals and uh, good for the Woodcroft Oilers to be consistently manufacturing the Californian because it's how you win playoff hockey games. Yeah, that that cycle, man, they had the cycle going for a big chunk of the second period. You know, after that after they made a two nothing on the shorthanded goal, there was a couple of shifts right after that, Dry Sidle's line and then McDavid's line, I think in that order. That just absolutely dominated play uh in LA territory, most of it deep in LA territory, and they were just they were skating fast onto pucks they were making good quick decisions with the puck they were moving it to open men they were they were they were cycling like they were moving on the ice and giving options to teammates and that was they la was just reeling at that point in the game and then it was a little while later that they got the actual goal you described but it was on a similar kind of offensive zone uh control the play on the cycle and you know work it around and get a shot get another shot and Maybe get a good tip or something, in, uh, and that's what McLeod got. You know, they used to say way back in the day, they used to say, shoot your point shots along the ice so your forward has a chance to tip them home. But that part of the game has really changed. That uh, They yeah. don't mind shooting the puck two, three feet off the ice, and they take your chances that the forward waving the stick at the puck's going to get a piece out of it, and then it could go anywhere. And Cloud uh, certainly went into a good spot in uh, the net. And, uh, you know, what hit went left uh, Jonathan Quick uh, very little chance because um, Cloud, A, went to the right place, the dirty areas in front of the net to uh, to do the screening and get in position to tip, and then he executed the tip. So maybe nice it was back. For you, first playoff goal and Cloud. Yeah. Maybe it was back when goalies didn't have face masks, right? When you'd shoot it on the ice because they didn't want to go down in the butterfly because they might get hit in the face more. Like it was either was more of a stand-up goalie style yes. all the time. But mm-hmm. now the, the goalies just seal off the bottom of the net. Like, you know, right. you got to get that puck up or it's not mm-hmm. going to go in, generally speaking. I mean, some low shots do, but generally speaking, you got to get the puck up. Bruce, your bad thing. Yeah, I... And this is this is a, a reach, but there's not much really bad about this game, but just a little bit of wasted puck luck uh, on the. Uh, I'll single out the fourth Edmonton goal. Well, they got lucky with a couple of posts in their own end, a puck that went through Smith that didn't quite reach the goal line, but the uh, fourth Edmonton goal, uh, which was already sort of bonus territory. Uh, where Duncan Keith makes a, a very nice headman pass to Evander Kane, and Kane chips it around the defenseman Sean Dersey, and Dersey, in desperation, takes a whack at the puck, 
to prevent Kane from jumping on it on the other side of him because he's the actor going around him it was a good play by Kane and he forced the act of desperation. But Dursey took the puck right out of the air and basically hit a line drive right past Quick into the corner of his own net. That's the kind of goal. Well, you take it at any time, but you know I'd really rather have it at a time where <laughs> where it's more needed than in a six nothing game. But it was a game where the Oilers did actually have a quite a bit of puck luck, and I would make the argument that they earned a lot of it by uh, forcing the play, as happened in this case on uh, poor Sean Dursey. Who, so maybe I'll give him the bad thing for uh, scoring on his own net. <laughs> yeah. Well, my bad thing, Bruce, is uh, I already mentioned it, actually. It's the Kings penalty kill. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, Anyway, I hope they stick with that tactic. So I, because I have already mentioned my bad thing, I'm going to go with, I'm going to sneak in a third good thing. Okay. And I, I think it, fantastic for Yesapuli RV to score a goal. Mm-hmm. And um, it was an interesting play because it's, it was a brilliant passing play. You know, Nurse with the stretch pass and McDavid whipping it on. I think it was McDavid who whipped it over across, you know, across seam to, um, yeah. to Pulley Pul- RV who harpoons it in the net. But he, um, he, he shot it again. It was interesting because he shot it right in the middle of the net. And this is the exact kind of shot twice, I think, he made on Kemper. The camper stopped when he mm-hmm. went because so yes it is still not a, he's not a sniper no. and and um he may never be a sniper but mm-hmm. i don't for the life of me bruce i don't understand the magnitude and the intensity of the criticism around this player i think it's way out of line and he had a poor game the other night i gave him a three like i think it's okay to criticize his game but if you're arguing mm-hmm. which i've heard arguing arguments mm-hmm. recently he's not he shouldn't be mm-hmm. on he shouldn't be in the top six on the orders he's not that effective he's not that good there, i think you're missing out i think you're not i he does so many little things every single game um screening the goalie popping pucks off sticks back checking hard for checking hard getting giving up the puck consistently unselfishly to kane and mcdavid he is a he is a very he is a good top six winger two-way mm-hmm. winger in the nhl and if you focus in on how he makes small contributions sometimes big ones like tonight just to, to grade a shots and defends against them he's one of the two best wingers on the orders at even strength this year him and zach hyman were at the top of the list so mm-hmm. um i don't know i guess i'm as the you know the old saying goes I, i'm seeing it a different game than than Puliarvi's critics i see a player who's who's pretty darn effective and has a nice package of skills for a young player with some room to grow because he's so big and rangy and may get stronger and more confident. So I I was glad that he had such a, I think he had a pretty strong game there. He did. I'd, give, I'd give him a seven probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, for yeah, that's that. And um, which is good, a good grade, a grade of good. So anyway, he's been taking a lot of heat. He's, I think he handled it fairly well. And uh, I like the player and keep it going. Keep it going, yes. Yeah. So keep those games, have another game like that one next time. Good for well, Woodcock too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the criticism of uh, Jesse, I think some of it's knee jerk that, uh, that because the a- analytics and, and the, and the uh, proponents of analytics like his numbers so much there are some people that will push back against anything that the that the analytics folks will say right or wrong it's just if they say it well 
let's find some reason to criticize that guy because I mean obviously he's not perfect and he isn't perfect and he does have uh, you know he does have parts of his game that he does need to uh, improve finishing being uh, uh, primary among those things but uh, the ice is you know so seems to be so tilted in Edmonton's favor uh, when he's out there and and Sure, you can say, no, he's not the driver of his line. McDavid is, but McDavid drives whoever's on his line. But when he drives it and Pugliarvi's on the bus, the line does better. And, you know, that, uh, and, and there's, uh, there's um, uh, some pretty strong statistical evidence to back that up. Anyway, as you say, my third good thing is uh, Coach Jay Woodcroft for sticking to his guns with, uh, with Yessa on the first line to stick into his guns, I thought obvious decision, but he did anyway with uh, Mike Smith and Net. He uh, we haven't mentioned his name yet, and all he did was post a shutout, uh, break his personal ten-game losing streak in the playoffs, and I think the last game he won was also a shutout in uh, with Calgary in uh, 2019, game one against Colorado, and then they got blitzed by the Avalanche in uh, games two, three, four, and five, and. Uh, uh, but uh, he stuck with that. Uh, but he did switch things up a little bit, and he uh, he put Josh Archibald in the lineup, but to a much criticism. And of course, there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot a lot of Josh Archibald critics out there right now for various reasons. And I mean, his last game that he played for the Oilers in last year's playoffs, where he took a really bad penalty and got a suspension, uh, didn't win him many fans. And then of course, all this stuff that went on this year as well. But I thought he played okay, and I thought he did what he's put in there to do, which is skate hard, hit, take the body, and uh, sort of disrupt. And, uh, you know, he's not uh, uh, ever a, uh, a great uh, puck handler, and he hasn't played enough hockey this year to really find that aspect of his game, but I thought he did what he was put in the lineup to do. Yeah. Ca- Cassian, same thing. Uh, and... I thought that, you know, the, the team executed uh, coach's game plan, which was move the puck the hell out of your own end, get it deep on them, and lay the body on them. And they did all of those things in uh, in spades in this game. Yeah. Archibald played well, and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, like, through the, through the pandemic, there have been times that I've been extremely un- frustrated with people who decided to remain unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. And I've supported the mandate um, against them because if we didn't have that, it looked like we were all going to have to shut down, which I thought would have been patently unfair and, and really damaging in a bigger sense. That said, I, I do respect people. Everyone had their own fears, their own self-interest during the pandemic. Yep. It was all, and it was different for everyone. And, I, and, and I, I'm glad that we don't have mandatory vaccination. And Josh Archibald certainly paid a price for his decision. He got covid he got myocarditis, the inflammation of the heart due to his COVID. Mm-hmm. Now, I, and I just think what we know now is I think the consensus is that people who have had um, COVID have immunity similar to people who are vaccinated. And the people who have had myocarditis from COVID, there is a, a, a genuine risk from the vaccine, a very small risk of myocarditis, especially in young men. So it seemed, and I'm not his doctor, and I'm not an expert on, on, you know, on any of these issues particularly, but it seems like it was a rational decision, and I'm glad it's happened. I just think we're getting back to normal. He can travel. It's huge for this guy who paid a big stiff price during COVID. Whatever you think of him, he paid a big price. 
If you think mm-hmm. he did the wrong thing, he paid the price for that. Um, so glad he's back in the saddle and, and able to play uh, across the border and earn his living again as an NHL hockey player. And this gives him a chance, if he plays well now, to get a con- another NHL contract, which I think was in severe doubt um, if, that, if this hadn't happened. Even, you know, there would have been a cloud over his head, but now he's got a chance here. We'll see how he does with it. Well, Archibald, in this game, he played, uh, uh, well, he played on both special teams. Of course, there was a fair bit of garbage time in the third period, but uh, played a minute 40 on the penalty kill, which had another perfect outing. Uh, played 9.48 at even strength, during which time the Oilers outshot LA 3-2. to two. And I'm just totally fine with that. You know, like, just go out there, nothing happens. And in the meantime, his stat line says he had one shot on net, Five hits, two takeaways, and two block shots. I mean, nice. nine of the ten positive stats that he had, he got when he didn't have the puck. When the other guys had the puck, he either hit him, got in the way of a shot, or took the puck away off him. So, I mean, that's what you want. I mean, he's a he's he's a limited player, but you you want to get the good parts out of that player. And I thought he did that tonight. And there, I mean. I heard Jay Woodcock taking all kinds of heat for that today, and I, I'm looking at that now and saying uh, maybe not the worst decision. He did. That's interesting. Like I wouldn't like you can play Devin Shore. I mean, it's but no. it's not like Archibald does bring hitting, right? And yes. hitting is a big part. Physical play is a huge part of playoff hockey. If you haven't realized that by now, I, I mean, have you been? Have you watched the NHL? <laughs> <laughs> this is the, this is the playoffs. It's not as physical as it used to be. This isn't like Habs Nordiques in the in the 1980s, right? But this is physical hockey, and uh, Josh, Josh Archibald can help you. So Bruce, let's move on to our numbers. What is your? Oh, oh okay, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I, I mentioned this already, but I'm going to go with it. Here's tonight's game, David. Here are for those watching on mute on our video. Here are the summaries from the 82 games in the regular season without go- off. I, I do I just pile them up over the season I refer to them from time to time I will junk them in the off season yeah just three, just three main stat sheets that I've got from every game but one of them is the event summary that has shots hits giveaways takeaways and I can guarantee you in that whole thick wad of, uh, of pages there there won't be one other game with 94 hits in it in the playoffs the game changes and it's not just that the hit counters are suddenly taking notice. It's that the hit throwers are throwing the hits. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 40, yeah. 48 to 46 in the, in, uh, <laughs> in this game. And every Oiler but one had at least a hit. And every King but three. Uh, with uh, Trevor Moore leading both teams with eight hits. But there was uh, it was uh, uh, an active game. There's a real serious rivalry between these two teams. And this was the first game of the six now they played this season. It wasn't close. Uh, but all of those games have been highly competitive. And I would argue even tonight's was for uh, in the trenches for sure. Yeah. There's some bad blood out there, and uh, I don't mind it. That's Matt, if, the King, if the Kings had Drew Doughty, they, they would, that would be a scary team right now because that's he's a hell of a player, and they really miss him. Um, they miss his presence. <laughs> I don't miss him either because he he'd be doing all kinds of nasty stuff and effective stuff out there. I remember him elbowing Hall, and I remember him yeah. and McDavid, and yeah, not to mention putting the puck in the net and other things. So Bruce, my number is kind of a coming of age number for Oilers defenseman Evan Bouchard. 
He led the team in ice time, 21-47. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Duncan Keith was next, 21. And they, and they were the only two Oilers defensemen over over, over 20. Uh, 20 minutes. Darnell Nurse was at uh, 1857. Oh. And not only that, so you could say, well, you, of course, it was all in the power play or special teams or something. And a lot of it was, but Bouchard led the team at even strength in ice time at 1703. Mm-hmm. And he had a hell of a game. He really did. He's starting to play with a little bit more nastiness. Just a mm-hmm. wee bit. He, he gets his stick in there. I mean, it's not like it's not like his. It's mainly with his stick, right? But that's okay too. That's one way to be nasty on the ice is is cross check. And Duncan Keith certainly uh, got a few cross checks <laughs> cross checks in there as well. That pairing is. They had a really strong game. I thought they were. I thought they were worked well together, and they were essentially Edmonton Oilers' top pairing. I don't know about in terms of quality of competition if that's the case, but in terms of ice time, it was. And they were they were highly effective uh, in this game. Uh, you know, um, Bouchard was getting all kinds of offensive plays, and the coaches obviously trust him. He, the, yeah. This is his old uh, Bakersfield coaches. They know what he can do. He was the number one defenseman when he was in Bakersfield with Jay Woodcroft, and he's moving on up here and um, very strong. Pinged another shot off the crossbar. I've never seen a guy hit so many sh- crossbars as Evan Bouchard seems to this year. Ping, ping, ping. But he had six shot attempts, three hits, two giveaways, two takeaways, a block shot. Like, he was very involved in this game. And uh, the funny thing about the ice time, uh, and this is true at total ice time, but also even strength ice time, which I wouldn't have expected. Uh, Keith and Bouchard, number one on the team, uh, one and two, uh, Barry and Kulak numbers three and four, and Nurse and Cece numbers five and six. Oh, that's interesting. It was all close, yeah. pretty close. Well, was, uh, yeah, they were all like the lowest one, uh, and the game was uh, Cece eighteen minutes and one second. So it's not like they had a guy with thirteen or fourteen minutes. They were all around twenty minutes. And I guess if you probably microanalyzed it, you would find that uh, uh, that Manson backed off on the minutes of. Uh, nurse and CC in the third period that uh, the game yeah. is in command that he probably thought well, there's no point in wasting uh, Darnell especially uh, coming you know back from this injury uh, in garbage time in this game let's uh, roll the other guys a little bit more and keep it you know put them over the boards but keep their shift short uh, for the big pair yeah. but uh, there was a six-man effort on the back end tonight and all six were uh, strong contributors I like Kulak's game. I thought he was strong. He, he looks good. Like he, like, you know, this the trade for him. They gave up more for him than they gave up for Kulikov. They gave up mm-hmm. a second round pick for Kulak, and a fourth round pick for Kulikov. But Kulak seems like a better player right now than Kulikov was to me. Like he's he's obviously a, clearly a better skater and puck mover. Yeah. And um, he's not as physical, but his defensive play seems to be as good, at least as Kulikov's. So um, I can see why he was maybe valued a little higher. Um, and he's coming through for the orders, you know, Chris Russell's, you know, they got a seventh team in who they can slot in there. So their de- defensive depth isn't bad, although it doesn't go too deep. It's kind of seven and then Philip Robery and maybe Marcus Niemelainen. So hopefully they'll stay healthy. We'll see what happens. But right now Kulak is getting the job done. Any other final thoughts, Bruce, or comments you'd like to make? Yeah. Well, the number <laughs> was going to be one to one, which is basically the score in the series. Yeah. And I guess it doesn't matter if you uh, 
if you lose 4-3 and win 6 nothing, or if you win 4-3 and lose 6 nothing, it's still 1-1, one one, and you can, you know, the Oilers dominated this game, and you can come out of the two games at home saying, geez, we haven't got home ice advantage anymore, and even though we dominated one of the games, we lost the other game, uh, but at least they kind of did it in the right order, I think, uh, that, you know, they lost the first game and they responded with a terrific second game, and hopefully now that's what they carry over and into L.A. for uh, games three and four coming up on uh, on Friday and Sunday. But, I mean, they've outscored the Kings nine to four in the series, and if you had that fact in isolation before you started, you think it's a pretty good chance they would win both games. Yeah. But tonight all they could win was this game, which they won decisively. So uh, we'll, we'll take that as... Uh, uh, as the best result that could happen. Somebody on the radio actually called this today. Six nothing for Edmonton was an actual score that somebody predicted. I'm not sure if it was Chad or, or uh, TSN because uh, I was listening to hockey coverage on both those channels. But one, one of the one one of the pundits got this score: Edmonton six, LA Kings nothing. So well, that's that's good. <laughs> that's good. Um, excellent prediction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my final comment is on there was this, some sh- the shots of the arena district, mm-hmm. um, people <laughs> whooping it up there, and this is you know people who who supported the downtown arena concept like myself. Mm-hmm. This is what we envisioned um, happening: a, a downtown coming to life on game night, especially in the playoffs like this. And um, I hope there's lots of magical nights down there. I hope you know people don't go wild and crazy and stupid, but right. it, this is. The arena is, is where it should be in downtown Edmonton. People are going to have some fun down there, fill up the restaurants and bars in downtown Edmonton. And Edmonton is going to, I think, celebrate the this playoffs downtown in a way that we've never done before. Uh, you know, it's been on what it was on White Avenue. And of course, right. there was riots there and some some troublemaking. So it can always go the, the lots wrong of fun, way. Lots of, lots of fun, but a few things yeah. went sideways well, for sure. It can sure. go the wrong way too. Now, Let's just hope it, it it remains fun for everyone. And I and, and I think like I'm not going downtown to watch mm-hmm. it there, but young people are, and I think they're going to have a, a a hell of a good time. So I'm I'm glad to see that. That's that's what I was hoping to see, that downtown would come alive like that, and it's happening. So I'm I'm happy about oh. that. My son Kevin, who uh, filled in on a podcast earlier this season, he got to go to tonight's game, his first ever playoff game. Yeah. And uh, someone, a uh, uh, workmate. Uh, uh, was unable to go and uh he uh, got the ticket at the last minute and uh so I, he came in during the podcast so i haven't talked to him yet but we were in contact during the game and he was having a great time there and the play i mean it was so loud in there he said the only thing he would have done different was bring his you know earplugs to yeah dampen, dampen down the noise a little bit because the uh, place was enthusiastic but that's so uh, that's wonderful to see all right, Bruce, let's leave it there. Kurt Levins is doing the game grades tonight, so um, we can just uh, take it easy after this. So thanks for talking tonight. Right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>